TJ fakeouts, Veronica and Tina reunited. Everyone is a former finalist. Naya and Jordan together again. John A goes back to back and a whole lot of one Mr. Weston Bergman. It's the challenge. All stars three full season recap and awards coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things. The challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hallibald. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me today. On today's podcast, we are taking one last long look back at the marvelous season that was. All-Stars 3 came to a conclusion last week. John A. and Wes won. We talked about all of that, covered it with our final episode recap. But now it is time to discuss the season as a whole. One long, big look back at the full body of work that is All-Stars 3. Before we dive in, programming notes for the week are as follows. Today is obviously all about All-Stars 3, our last day discussing that season with any regularity, at least, on the podcast. Thursday morning, I will be back to break down episode two of the Challenge USA. Those recaps will continue all USA season long, posting early Thursday morning. And then on Friday of this week, I will have the next episode in our rewatch series posted. That would be season 12, Fresh Meat an absolute favorite of mine. Very excited for that to dive back in and talk about that with you on Friday. That is all in programming notes front. As always, hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you may be listening so you do not miss an episode. And now let us dive in. The way we're going to do that, the format, the agenda for the day, if you will, is as follows, somewhat follows kind of how we do the rewatch uh, and recap full seasons over on the rewatch series portion of this feed. But We're going to start high level, talk about some of the good things, the great things, the bad things, ugly things, if there were from this season, just kind of a general consensus of what we liked, didn't like from a higher level view. After that, we hand out some awards because, of course, we're going to hand out some awards. I always hand out awards. Best daily challenge, best elimination, best quote, best moment. Follow that up with a full performance review for every single one of our 25 cast members this season. I promise to go super fast. I know sometimes I can be a little long-winded on in anything, but especially when I go full cast list through. But everyone gets a performance review and an acknowledgement of highlights. Do we want them back? Do we not want them back? What are our hopes for the future for each and every one of them? And then finally, we'll wrap things up by talking final season grade season MVP and our hopes for All-Stars 4, 5, the entire All-Stars franchise moving forward. So that is a lot to get to. So let's go ahead and dive on in and start with that high-level view and talk about everything good, bad, or in between from this season of All-Stars 3. To kick things off, let's talk about we're going to call this the good, the great, the bad, the ugly. I know, obviously, the you know uh, the regular phrase there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I want to also talk about the great. So we're going to throw that in there. Pretty much, you know, you're good, you're great, you're bad, you're ugly. It's, it makes sense. There's stuff that's pretty good or pretty bad, and then there's stuff that hits those polar extremes. We're going to talk about all four. I like talking about good things first. Plus, thankfully, with this season of All Stars Three, there was way more good and great than there was bad or ugly. So. Let's get into it. Good things first. Let's start 
with the good things about this season, a lot of the stuff that we really, really liked. And it starts as it has to with the people that are the most important, and that is the cast itself. Thought this cast was absolutely wonderful. We will, of course, at the end of this podcast, when we do our full season grade, we will use the same grading rubric that we've been using for the rewatch series, which includes a male cast grade and a female cast grade. So we'll break this down a bit further between that and the performance reviews and everything else. But the cast in general was a wonderful, wonderful mix of people. It worked really, really well. They It, it provided the right amount of storylines and drama and competition. It had a good mixture of all of those things. And the one thing that I'll say now that won't necessarily be, be brought up in a later segment is with this cast, our big question going in, while we loved it going in, we had a lot of expectation going in. The big question from myself and many fans out there, as well as I would assume from the production side of things on whether it was going to work or not work, was the introduction of younger cast members to the all-stars world younger in challenge years if not actual age as well but the kayla's the sylvia's the jordan's the naya's of the world that were in challenge years at least you know were debuting in the the early mid or late 20s of seasons versus you know we got cynthia on here who's real or road rules all-stars challenge season one mark you know road rules season one we got you know our normal mix of ogs but we brought in a lot of a younger crowd as well and i thought it worked really really well we had some reservations going in about if you know if if the show was getting a little ahead of itself by doing blending the flagship into this as much as this felt like a slow but uh necessary blending of those two shows but i thought across the board everyone that fit that you know title of kind of the youngish crowd the jordan naya sylvia kayla really the big four that i'm looking at there I thought they, you know, were wonderful additions to it. They really had all good seasons. We'll talk their all individual performance reviews later, but I thought it worked really well. It added a nice dynamic and it wasn't too overbearing. There wasn't too many of them. And so that storyline was, you know, it it simmered quite a bit, but it never went over the top. It never became like a young versus old thing like we thought maybe it could. There was moments where it seemed like maybe we were on the verge of that a little bit, a couple people who thought that way, but no real moves in that direction. And as we saw via a couple of the alliances, the young and old uh, got, and I, I say old, respectively, old and challenge years. That is, uh, everything is referred to young or old challenge years. We're talking here. Uh, you know, they interacted really well when, you know, Veronica and Tina with Jemmy and kind of in the middle with Sylvia and Kayla there, all five of them, you know, coming together in the treehouse and Ronnie being a part of that, Derek being part of that great mixture. So I loved the younger crowd, how it coming in and how that worked. The other next good thing, quality elimination matchups. We'll talk more maybe about the eliminations as a whole and the, you know, the sports side of this as a whole, but we did get a handful of really fun, really entertaining, really interesting elimination matchups. We'll do our best eliminations of the season later as well. But, you know, a shout out here to, you know, John A versus Beth West versus Yes, I thought was the best duel. You know, both eliminations in the same episode doing the knockoff game. That was really entertaining. Obviously, Jordan versus Darrell was entertaining for a ton of reasons. Nehemiah versus Derek. Mark beating Jordan. John A versus Ronnie. So many of them all the way through. A lot of really good matchups, a lot of very competitive matchups, and so I just thought, 
they definitely, the eliminations as a whole, find, file them away in the good things category. Third and final thing in the good things category, the party scenes. Now, the party scenes easily could have been in the great things category because the party scenes in the all-stars houses are absolutely great and wonderful and so much fun. The only reason they're in the good things has nothing to do with the people actually taking part in the party and everything to do with the editing side and the production side. Let me see more of it. Why were they so short? Uh, the you know the very initial one we got a decent amount from, um, and I know that those even in an all stars house the parties end up turning into yeah the entrances are all cool and everything, but really everyone just ends up talking strategy. I get that that's probably happening in these as well, and so there's not a whole lot to go off of other than hey can you guys all like crank the music up and dance for like two minutes so we can film some of that and get get a little uh, footage of that, but. Show us more. Whatever's whatever's going on when they all dress up, costumes are just dressing up. You know, wanting to look their best. What either version? It's always fun. It's always such a good time. So show us more of that. Still a good thing about this season. Could have been a great thing in the future. That would be one tip I would give the editing side. As as always, the show and the little things, the mundane stuff in the house is oftentimes as entertaining or more than actually, you know, if you shaved. 45, 60 seconds off of a daily challenge or elimination here or there. Moving on to the great things about this season. And there was a lot of great things about this season. The first one that must be discussed, the format itself. First and foremost, it was very straightforward. There was very few twists or turns along the way. It started, it's an individual game. And, you know, there's going to be an authority at some point in the season. The twist, you know, one twist is that the authority gets smaller. But, of course, it was going to have to because there's way less people by that point in the game. So it's not really even a twist. They could have seen that coming. It stayed straightforward and simple. Last place goes directly into the elimination for half of the season. And then for half of the season, the winners get to pick and that person gets to call out. Loved everything about that. I love, love, love when people get to call out their opponent in elimination. That was fantastic. Did they maybe miss the mark a tiny bit with, you know, did the sabotages really have to be there? Did the stars ultimately paid off? No, the stars, the sabotages were pretty good and they added some drama. And I think in an all-stars house, as friendly as everything is, is a little bit more laid back as everything is. I think you need those specific, those you know, built-in ways, those production forcing some animosity to brew. So I, I actually do like the sabotages for that specific reason. The stars, we talked about it when during, you know, I think last week's episode, uh, the the final recap, just, uh, I guess it was episode nine. They started the final in episode nine, excuse me. But we talked about the stars and really it ended up kind of not being that big of a deal in the end. And so uh, maybe we could have done without that, but for the most part, is a very straightforward game, and I like that about it, and very specifically, an incredibly well-orchestrated final challenge. So, so important to any single season of the challenge, mainly because, as many of you listening might be, uh, might be in tune with yourselves, because you might be one of these people, viewership drops off from the beginning to the end of the season because there's so many people that only are here to watch a certain couple people. If those get eliminated, I'm not so interested. Or just by the sheer fact that there's only a third of the cast left and some people aren't at invested in who's actually going to win this, but rather the drama and the reality, the show of it along the way that, you know, we they have the challenge has a bit of an end of season problem, a bit of a final problem. And so it's that much more important that the final is interesting and well done and competitive and fun 
And it was all those things. And even more so, that mattered this season coming off the debacle that was All-Stars 2. So made a huge difference that this final one was, you know, as we talked about over the last two episodes, thought a really well planned out, really great from a difficulty level. I liked the fact that they actually got to sleep and eat food, real food in between. Um, I liked the amount of, you know, the amount of everything they had to do, the mix up of, you know, physical stuff, endurance stuff, mental stuff. Someone gets eliminated through in the end, the eating, everything about it. Um, you know, my only single feedback was for like, I said, this was basically, you know, like an A minus an A final challenge. And that the only thing I would say would put it to an A plus was if it was just as competitive as this, but I would personally like to see the, the distance a touch more, like 25 to 30% more. I thought they still had, you know, still had to do a lot of endurance related to this one, but great final challenge that really helped the format in general was a great, great thing this season. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Not just an all-stars world, any single challenge. Keep it simple. It does That stuff isn't what everyone's coming for. Next great thing, TJ's performance and just his comfort in the all-stars world in general. Loved everything about, you know, he's he's clearly, he's comfortable as the host of any challenge, as we're now seeing not only, you know, flagship we've always seen, but even now with Challenge USA, brand new people he's never met, brand new game, this, that, and the other. He's obviously super comfortable because he's a fantastic host of this fantastic show that we all love, but you can tell the difference between All-Stars TJ and the other shows TJ because he knows these people and he knows a little more the respect they have for him, he has for them, the interactions, the history a lot of them have together. And so he can really let a little more loose, ad-lib a little more, have a little more fun with them. He can poke fun and knows that it'll be received well because he knows who these people are a little bit more, knows their personality a little bit more. And so, you know, him, you know, roasting Tina after her falling from the swing or, you know, the back and forth he has with Veronica during trivia or just how, how giddy he was for trivia in the first place, the multiple fake outs he pulls this season, all of it. TJ's performance, fantastic as always. And I just love watching TJ cook in the world of all-stars. Third great thing, Naya and Jordan's arc. We came into the season very excited. I obviously huge, huge, huge Jordan fan, huge Naya fan, and was very much interested in both of them. And specifically, you know, Naya having the last time she'd been on the show, been the situation that it was her getting removed from the game. Really was hopeful to get a not just that they uh, have some sort of redemptive arc to them or get to show off that hey. That isn't the real, wasn't the real me maybe even then, but even if it was, I've grown in so many ways. Getting to show that and getting to be on the season long enough to really get to show that multiple times over and not just, you know, if they get eliminated one or two episodes in, they're like, all right, well, you were there a couple of days. We don't, we didn't get a great vibe check on, you know, where you are at in life now. So I love their arc, love the two of them together, everything about them, a couple of the different conversations they have from the entrance and, you know, to Jordan leaving and how that affected Naya and her overcoming that and some of the conversations that led to her and Nehemiah that will be discussed later on in this podcast. So loved everything about that. That fits the bill of a great thing from the season fourth thing. That is a great thing. The house itself, just quick shout out, uh, you know, going in, Mark Long um, and a few others said this is the best challenge house there's ever been just as far as the actual challenge, the house itself. And, you know, we never get the full tour of it, which I think 
of all the bonus content that is put out on, you know, the Instagram, TikToks, whatever feeds these days, I would love every season of like full, you know, like MTV Cribs style walkthrough of the entire challenge house. This one looked like a true A plus. It lived up to the, the billing of maybe the best challenge house ever. I'll still take fresh meat too up in British Columbia, but I'm just partial to the log cabin in the woods. So that was a great thing. And the fifth and final great thing about this season, uh, not to spoil the best moment award later. I don't actually believe this is not the winner of it, but it very well it will be nominated. And that is the introduction sequence in episode one, just the entire way they handled the episode one in the introduction. And I can just rope into this, the first two episodes as a unit. They dropped two episodes at once and they were both so unbelievably good. They're both A pluses, uh, as we said at the time in the podcast, Instagram, everywhere. Just such an unbelievable job, such an unbelievably high bar they set. And the way they did the introductions, having Tina and Veronica and Mark as the first three and Tina and Veronica together as the very first two, spot on, so smart. They know what they're doing. They know what they got. They know who their stars are. They're stars of stars. Obviously, all these people are stars in their own right, but they knew exactly how to lead it off. The pairings they put together for the entrance, the entire first episode to two episodes, the whole thing. They just started off so well. They did it so exactly right, and uh, it was an absolutely great, great thing. So those are the good things. Those are the great things. Let's move into talking about uh, some of the negative side because there's obviously negatives. Nothing's perfect. No challenge season has ever been perfect. No anything really in the world's ever been perfect, but certainly no challenge season. So the fact that there's a few bad or ugly things isn't to say that this wasn't some unbelievable season. It isn't to say that I dislike this season in any single way because obviously if you listened all season long and you just listen, listen to me list those good and great things about this season – I adore this season. I think it's awesome. We'll give it its final grade later on in the pod. But for now, we do got to talk about some of the things that could have been a little better, could have been adjusted, could be adjusted for future seasons. Let's talk the bad things first. The first bad thing is something they had no control over. It's just the circumstances of what it was. And that was the injuries and people leaving. We had Melinda you know, re-injure the ankle that she had injured on the final the previous season. She has to, you know, bow out of an elimination without actually competing. We have Jemmy, you know, with the family emergency back home. Uh, here's the hope, and I, I have not followed up after that kind of week or so, um, how her father and family in general is doing, uh, hoping for all, you know, the best and wellness and everyone there, but that was super bummer. She has to leave for that reason. Tina gets injured. Veronica gets injured. Uh, Veronica getting injured at so late in the game when she's in power on the authority and just slips on the step and breaks her toe. Those were huge, huge losses, you know, all four of them, and especially respectfully to Melinda and Jemmy. Tina and Veronica both going out in the season without losing an elimination, but both getting injured. That's just a huge bummer, and that's, you know, no no one's in control of that. It, that stuff happens. Uh, pretty much can't go a challenge season now without someone gets hurt at some point. Uh, they're doing a very physical stuff, um, and, you know, it's going to happen. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's kind of become the norm, and it stinks that we had four people, and, you know, it would suck to have four people out of any season, but the fact that it was all on the female side as well just made for a kind of really disjointed game and kind of threw off you know, possible storylines from really brewing possible alliances or, you know, rivalries or just animosity in general from really brewing. 
And obviously, again, losing Tina and Veronica, especially as, you know, their confessionals, losing them in the house, just their attitude, everything about losing those two. There's a reason, like we said before, they led the entire show off with those two coming into the house. It was so great, so wonderful. And the fact neither of them actually lost an elimination or lost anything to, you know, to go home really, really stinks. But out of their control, next bad thing about this season, which was in their control, I got to say the dailies themselves, not necessarily the competition or the cast performances in it, the cast, uh, because of how great they are, made some of these very average dailies a lot of fun because of their kind of commentary about it or their their performances sometimes about it. But the dailies themselves were kind of average and leaves me wanting them to bring in only the classics. I appreciate that any season of the challenge now, and especially All-Stars, they're always and forever going to have trivia. That's wonderful. It's All-Stars. You are allowed to have the kind of same challenges every season of All-Stars. I'd be totally okay with that. I don't know if I'm just, you know, that's just me, that's my opinion, or if others would agree with that. But, you know, come up with kind of the best of the best you've got from a daily challenge standpoint and kind of run those back uh, over and over and over because it, it felt like, you know, it's already hard enough every season of the challenge for that they have to come up with all these new kind of random games for them to play. But now the fact that we have three different strains of the for branches, whatever you want to call it, of the franchise going, that's so many daily challenges to come up. It's okay if All-Stars is just a lot of repeat the same things kind of uh, over and over. I'd be okay with that. And the same on the elimination front. I'd be fine with the exact same amount of set of eliminations every single season of All-Stars. If they were like, hey, these are like the eight best eliminations we've ever put forward, we're going to do six of those eight every single season, and then we'll kind of have two spots that are more on a rotation. I would even love and think, and again, this one may very much just be a me. I feel like I might be a little bit on an island on this one, but bring back like either the cards or the wheel, like the cards from the duel or the wheel from uh, Gauntlet 2, TJ's first season, where, you know, put the the eight games that we love the most on a wheel, throw a cat or, a, you know, uh, it was captain's choice then, but, you know, this time, uh, you know, whoever, last place choice, uh, whoever, you know, person in the arena's choice um, to pick between those games, whatever it may be, I'd be okay with that. Just it's all-stars. Give us more than the all-stars cast. Give us the all-stars version of eliminations and dailies. I thought they could have been a good amount better this season or a little more interesting themselves. Third and final thing on the bad thing side. I'm not going to belabor this point because I've done two different long rants throughout this season about it. If you miss those, you can go back. I, I forget what episodes it was in. I believe... Uh, would have been in uh, the episode seven recap, um, maybe six or seven, whatnot. But set proper expectations. Whatever the episode where Banana West does his little call to bananas, I guess that would have been episode five because he throws himself in against, yes, no, episode nine because it's the second time around. Regardless, show notes, whatever, you can find it, but I'm not going to do it again. But set proper expectations, the editing team. The, the fact that we got in our trailers in this season's on, you made the bananas reveal and the Beth entrance or the possible, you know, a replacement player. You kind of faked that it was going to be mercenaries or whatever. Yes, I'm dumb and fell for it, but 
that was the point. You were trying to get dumb people like myself to fall for it, and we did, and then we had this unrealistic expectation, and then when we get fed, good, but we expected great. We can't properly enjoy the good that we're getting. That's the short Cliff Notes version of that rant. I've done it before, not gonna do it again, but set proper expectations. We love the challenge. You know, you don't have to... You don't have to sell us a bunch of stuff that's not going to actually happen to get us to watch. We're going to watch, okay? So set the proper expectations. And then those are all the bad things. We head to the ugly things. There was only one ugly thing this season, thank goodness. And really, uh, it could just be called a really bad thing. I think ugly, maybe I should, you know, keep for only, you know, the warts that we've occasionally talked about in the rewatch series or when, you know, something really, really untoward or, or bad, you know, happens that's real sketch, real... Real bummer, real not great. Um, but if we got to put anything in the ugly category this season, Beth's rumor mongering in uh, that entire that that storyline within the episode of you know the rumors she started about John A and MJ, we let our feelings be known on that recap podcast as well. Those feelings have not changed with time. I don't believe there's been any evidence of the sort to help change those in any slight bit away. So. Yeah, didn't like that, not going to rehash it because it doesn't deserve even the airtime I've currently given it. So that is your only ugly thing. So overall, way more good, way more great than ever any bad or ugly. That stands to reason for this being an absolutely kick-ass season. We, of course, will grade it on full later on. But before we do that, we first... We got to hand out some awards. This is the Challenge Historian. I love giving out awards. You know this by now. So let's take a quick break and head on into the awards segment. Let's hand out some hardware. We start with the best daily challenge of the season. Did I just previously call the daily challenges a little bit average? Yes, I did. But that doesn't mean that some of them weren't awesome. And as I said before, even if the actual what they were doing, I thought, you know, wasn't the most creative, the most interesting, the cast itself excelled at making them interesting. There's three nominees for the best daily challenge this season. The first one, episode two, out of reach. This one was the one where they were in the swings. They had to kick over the box with the key in it, swim to shore, do the puzzle. And this one, of course, is remembered most for Tina somehow falling out of her swing, but then also somehow holding herself hanging from the bottom of the swing upside down. It was hilarious. TJ roasted her afterwards. This one also very competitive, very interesting from a strategy standpoint. A decent amount of people not being able to do the swinging part, end up saving their energy, wait till the end, just try to do the puzzle faster. The puzzle itself as an early you know, puzzle gauge. We had a couple different dailies that really relied on the puzzle at the end, which were nice gauges for us to see where these people are at on the puzzle side of things, headed into a possible final challenge where we knew they would be a part of... I I honestly thought they might have been a bigger part of the final challenge than they ended up being. But all in all, a great daily challenge, episode two out of reach. Second nominee, episode number six, stacked. This one uh, had the many, many stations and people eliminated as they went on. You know, a couple people out per time. There was paddleboarding involved. There was puzzles involved. There was running involved. I really, really like this one. As someone who's recently got back in, into the world of Survivor, I liked the survivor-like stations and the people eliminated along the way. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, the the differentiation or the wrong word, but the uh, the mixture of all these different activities all in one little one. Um, it wasn't a mini final the way that other seasons have had, kind of the quote-unquote mini final 
as a daily challenge where there's a ton of endurance involved. This one had some endurance, but not anything over the top, but still had that kind of element, that feel of like the mini final. We're going to make you do a bunch of different stuff all across the board, test you in many, many ways at once. Really liked that one. And then third and final nominee, that would be Shooting Stars, episode seven, which was trivia. And of course, every season that has trivia, I I mean, I haven't done all of the seasons, obviously, on the rewatch, but so far, every season that has had trivia in the rewatch series, trivia has been nominated for the best daily challenge, if not won the best daily challenge of the season. It sticks to reason that that would be how it ends up here on All-Stars when trivia is even better because TJ somehow has even more fun with All-Stars trivia than he even does on the flagship or probably when we'll, I'm sure we'll see it on the Challenge USA and anywhere else TJ and the Challenge go. The trivia was great. Derek winning was fun. Veronica winning was even more fun. Loved everything about it. The back and forth they had during it. The fact that they knew in advance the moment they walked up that TJ was there, with, that it was going to be trivia. They could see it on TJ's face. There was no hiding it from him. Oh, fuck. That's a podium. He has that we're about to do trivia smile. He's got the laugh ready. How's it going, everyone? Yeah! Well, some of you have already guessed it. (laughs) By your face. Because I can't get the smile off my face. This is Trivia Day! So I really, really, really liked that. So shooting stars stacked out of reach. If I got to give it to one... I'm going to I'm going to actually have to go with episode 2 out of reach as far as I actually liked what the the dailies were better in stacked and shooting stars out of reach was the the biggest example of all of them this season of it wasn't that you know the coolest daily challenge I've ever come up with far from it but the cast made it amazing by their commentary, by their antics, by the ones that did good and the ones that did bad, like Tina, turning it into a very entertaining thing. So I'm going to go with the best daily of the season was episode two's Out of Reach. Then we've got the best elimination. That is our next award. We've got, of course, got a nom- you know two awards for the sports side, two awards for the show side, and then an MVP. That's how we break down these season-long awards, at least this Uh, version of them so the best elimination four nominees in chronological order here there's episode four steamroller jordan beats Darrell. they were in you know the rolling log either side of it they had to move it using only their body power and dexterity with inside of that log to their side of the platform to win it went forever jordan pulling you know the incredible strategy to realize Darrell's got the weight maybe even the strength but and he figured out the technique he's going to be able to move me but I can get myself in this exact position where there's no way he can move me an inch. We will stalemate, and I think I can hold out longer than him. Yet another just it's classic Jordan finding a way, finding the exact strategy it would take to work in something where maybe he is at the disadvantage physically. Size mattered more the most of anything in this, but he's able to overcome that. Wears Darrell out to the point Darrell ends up cramping like crazy, having to you know go into the medical tent and into the ambulance. Jordan wins that one was fantastic. Then second nominee episode five knockoff. John A beats Beth. 
I'm going with that one, but it's kind of a dual nomination for the entire knockoff. Both sides of it, West beating Yes as well. Obviously, West beating Yes, they had had this little budding, you know, antagonistic nature between them, this mini rivalry, if you will, between them. So the fact that they end up in that elimination versus each other was great. And John A beating Beth after Beth pulls that bullshit shenanigan rumor mongering that Beth wants to do and then beating her so quickly that Beth actually kind of quits in the middle of it and says I don't want to lose lose I'd rather just kind of DQ myself and quit because obviously I'm going to lose and I don't want to be up here anymore and let's just get this over with and let me leave so John A and just John A winning an elimination we said going into the season we really as much as we don't want to see her in there because we like her so much and wanted her to do so well it was great to see her go in and get some wins in the elimination ring then third nominee Starstruck, Naya beating Sylvia, episode six. Uh, if we were giving a best full elimination, both you know guy and girl elimination at the same time award, I think Knockoff might slightly beat Starstruck, but shout out Derek uh, winning that one over MJ as well, you know, and doing a puzzle and kind of overcoming that little bit of the monkey on his back with that. But really, Starstruck, it was Naya beating Sylvia, that one shot pool shot, how fast she went through the puzzle part, uh, just how the eruption of joy from her when she pulls it off the win, everything about that was absolutely great. And then fourth and final nominee, of course, it's going to be here, episode nine, Light My Fire, a.k.a. Pole Wrestle, but with a slight twist on the very end, Nehemiah beating Derek. Nehemiah going in, even though, you know, Derek should have called out Wes. It is what it is. It was more on the editors than Derek himself, but we get he calls Nehemiah instead because he thinks it'll be a little easier. Nehemiah lets him know that no one from real world Austin is going to be beat by Derek in a pole wrestle. He beats him, and seemingly it could have just been the edit, but it seems like pretty quickly and confidently. It was absolutely awesome. That's a huge deal to beat Derek in a pole wrestle. That's a big, big, big deal for Nehemiah. But if I've got to pick one of these four as the best elimination of the season. Uh, you know, I think it's objectively the choice, but I also admit that subjectively my bias may be strongly at play here because there's nothing that I get more entertained by. There's nothing I like more in the world of the challenge than Jordan outsmarting someone to an elimination win. So episode four, Steamroller, Jordan beating Darrell. I'm going to have to go ahead and go with that as the best elimination of the season. Then we've got... The best quote. Now, this is a loaded category. We looked at all of the quotes that we nominate episode after episode all season long, and these are all-stars. They know how to give a good confessional. They know how to make a witty remark in the field of play. So we're going to try to move through these quickly, but we do have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven nominees here. So let's bang them out quick. Let's go with episode one, a chronological order as always. Episode one, Tina, upon her entrance, her analogy of herself to bourbon. Take it away, Tina. Under my name. See if this door is big enough for my ego. <laughs> People describe me as loud. I can be difficult. Kind of like a glass of bourbon, where at first it has a bite, and you're like, but I'm nicer than they expect. Here's to us. You ready to do this? I'm ready. Let's do it. Cheers. I'm happy you're here. I'm happy you're here. I love you. Love you too. I. 
We then have episode three. Our second nominee is Wes. His first, not his last. I believe Wes, while I didn't add it up, had the most nominations for quote of the week. If you counted every episode throughout the season, he's got two nominations here for the quote of the season. And this one is in regards to his budding feud with Yes, what he thinks of Yes as a part of his life. Take it away, Wes. Now you're really learning how to manipulate the old ginger here. (laughs) I see what you're doing. I mean, oh, I do love to stir the pot. And I'm gonna put him in my little fucking pot and I'm gonna stir him around because he's nothing but an ingredient in my life that I am going to bake, eat, and shit out. Third nominee then goes to TJ Lavin himself. Of course, the host with the most can get in on these awards. He always has been able to, he always will be able to. And he had me in absolute stitches a couple different times this season, but none more so than in episode four. They're standing out over a building. A bunch of people are getting scared of the heights because they always do, because of course they do. Heights are extremely scary, if you didn't know. But TJ lets them know, hey, don't worry about falling. Falling doesn't kill you, but tells them exactly what may. Take it away, TJ. questioning my life choices. I don't feel good, I feel nauseous, might panic, might puke, might, there's a lot of things going on. (laughs) You're all right, calm down, take a deep breath. Not the fall that kills you, it's the sudden stop at the end, that's the only bad part. It's just even more gravitas having a TJ Lavin, someone who you know has had a horrific high fall major injury in his life and a bunch of falls from high places from this extreme sport that he partook in and was a Hall of Famer at. So it just adds a little bit more zest to that zinger there. Next nominee then also comes from episode four and actually comes from Naya in response to all of TJ's needling about how she's feeling standing on top of that building. We said heights were scary. Naya makes that known with this. I'm thinking about tearing a page out of Darrell's book right now. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm either going to vomit fate or pee on myself. Then we've got Sylvia in episode six. Her and Kellyanne had, uh, you know, not the best relationship during the season. It came to a little bit of a head during this episode. And she made this comment. Going up to Kellyanne and having this conversation literally tastes like vinegar every single word that's coming out of my mouth. It's literally painful. But I do it because this half a million dollars would be huge for my family. This is why I'm here. The first little taste of power that she gets and she's on a fucking power trip. So, okay, sis, I see you. I don't give a shit if it was a million dollars or not. Kellyanne can actually eat shit with an extra side of gluten. We said it in the episode six recap. We'll say it again now. That's just a specific type of mean that, uh, you know, just it doesn't cross any lines, but it's mean and it's fun and vindictive and it's great. I love it. Then two more nominees to go. Second to last nomination comes from episode eight. Nehemiah, prior to his matchup in pole wrestle with Derek, he lets us, the viewers, know that, yeah, you might think I'm Zen, but there's a reason for that that you're not realizing. I feel like it's time to go to that dark place that I've been trying to avoid. I gotta bring out that monster that I keep hitting far away. People think that uh, I got Zen to save myself, but I really got Zen to save everybody from me. So he doesn't know what type of fight that he's getting himself into tonight. 
he wanted it, he's about to get it. Sometimes we bite off more than we can chew. It's time to go to work. If this award was the most badass sounding quote of the season, I think Nehemiah would take it with that. Our final award, though, for the best quote in general of the season is Wes for the second time. This one, in the moment, the 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 difficulty levels of in the moment, you're in the final, you're competing. You know you're in the end of final. You're like half, more than halfway through day two of the final. You're doing the eating portion. And to be able to, in that moment, remember, hey, I'm making a TV show. I got to be entertaining. And I can do it by kind of needling my opponents a little bit. Wes is just a true, true professional. And of course, he's, you know, he's a genius. He's witty. He's smart. He's got the funny things to say. Take it away, Wes. Oh, here's the brain. I'll give you guys a hint. You eat the brain, you might be smarter for the puzzle that's coming up next. Fuck off. Part of me is hoping that I just faint. <laughs> yeah, same. Now, those were all fantastic quotes. They all deserve their nominations, but to try to pick one between one of them, because they're, 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 they're so different. Some of them are talking shit. Some of them are being funny. Some of them are self-deprecating. Some of them are in the field. Some of them are, most of them are in confessionals. It's all over the place. So really what this comes down to is, Wes got nominated twice, and he could have had multiple other nominees, as we said before. He had so many quote of the week nominations and wins throughout the season that feels only right that he wins the best quote of the entire season. I'm going to go with he's nothing but an ingredient in my life that I'm going to bake, eat, and shit out. Loved, loved, loved that from him. Loved everything from him. He would be and is, not just would be, but is, because just because this is All-Stars doesn't mean that we can't do the Dan Renzi Award for the confessional king or queen of the season. With respect to Tina, who was well on her way to taking home this award, not for the first time, uh, she ends up out in episode three. That's not a big enough body of work. It ends up going to Wes for sure. So both the quote of the season and the Dan Renzi Award for the confessional king of the season goes to Mr. Weston Bergman. Now, we will move on to the second of our two show-based awards. That is the best moment of the season. This is a big one. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven nominees here ranging in all different types. Some of them we've already even touched on, some we have not. So some we'll go through real quick. Others we'll maybe talk about uh, and just rejoice about a little bit longer here. Again, as always in chronological order, we start with episode number two, Tina hanging from the swing, the commentary from the rest of the cast on land as this is happening and TJ roasting her at the end. Everything about that was so wonderful. Great job. I could see some people definitely dominated the playground. Some of you didn't. Letarian, not so hot. I'll be seeing you in the arena. And Tina, obviously, you didn't do anything in the playground. Why? No! Tina. Why? I did great! Wow. I was the first one down! <laughs> Tina, I have never in my life seen anyone shit the bed that bad in my, ever in my life. I'm getting better with age. That's strategy. Okay, I like it. Well, Tina, I'll be seeing you in the elimination See round. <laughs> Tina, the best sport, one of the best, truest all-star OG legends this game, show, sport, whatever you want to call it, has ever seen. Love Tina to death. Then also in episode tool two, a kind of dual nomination, if you will. Nomination number two goes to TJ's two big fakeouts 
of the season. One was in episode two. The other was in episode nine. The episode two was first on Tina when he tells Tina in the moment, you know, Melinda says, I got this ankle. I'm not going to go tonight. I got it. You know, I'm not, I I can't compete anymore. She's going to go home. TJ gives the fake out of, okay, well, I'm sorry to hear that, but Tina, you do still have to pick someone to go against. Go ahead, turn around, see who who up there do you want to have. That fake out was absolutely fantastic. And then the second time he does it, we talked about a great, unbelievable, probably his best ever fake out, but also secretly really, really, really mean is Kayla and Kellyanne having to watch Derek and Nehemiah do pole wrestle, thinking they're about to pole wrestle, then put all the gear on, do their pre elimination interviews, confessionals, whatever you want to call them, get in the ring, pick up and hold on to the pole. TJ say, here we go back away. Like he's going to blow the horn all the way up to the last second. And then says, you know what? Never mind. You can stop letting that adrenaline running the way it had to be running the every fiber of their body be intense, anxious, excited, nervous, the whole thing. And then no release of any of that. We talked about it at length. It, can't believe what that would feel like in the immediate moment of like, I can't believe I made the final, but also, holy shit, I got to get this out of my body. Just unbelievable. But TJ's two fake outs, both incredible moments. Jointly, they are nominated for the moment of the season. Third nominee goes to the Yes and Wes have a meeting. Episode three, Yes and Wes, there's the, the animosities of Bruin. They don't play the game the same way. They both acknowledge that early on, and they decide to have a meeting about just that, see if they can reconcile in any way. And it doesn't go great, but from an entertainment value, it is fantastic. Those two, their entire storyline really was one of the biggest storylines of the season, even, you know, if halfway through, it was eliminated halfway through by, you know, Wes beating yes, but The first five episodes, half the season, that is kind of one of, if not the dominant storyline or the dominant kind of rivalry and animosity that you found in this season. Then we have episode four, Jordan beating Darrell in Steamroller, plus just everything him and Naya within that episode. And we got a lot of them in their storylines and arcs within that episode. So bottle that all up, call it a nominee for the moment of the season. The best elimination is always going to probably get nominated almost any season, for the best moment as well, which it does here. Then we've got Nehemiah and Wes on paddleboards together. This was in episode six. This was in Stacked, the daily challenge we referenced during that award. They ended up being the two that made it to the paddleboarding segment, but were in last and not going to make it onto the next. So they had a nice, leisurely little paddle together, as best bros do. We got a little montage of it, talks of, you know, doing this with my good friend from way back, Austin to now. Loved everything about that. That was a, a quick, a little bit smaller of a moment, but I loved and cherished so much. Uh, I think everyone loved and cherished it a lot. I think I do have some strong bias from, you know, Austin, as I've said many times before. Everyone that watched Real World has their kind of, you know, their three to four season run that was like their Real World seasons, their peak because of their age or what they were going through in life. Austin was squarely in my peak Real World fandom phase. So love them, have forever. Then we got episode eight, Naya and Nehemiah's chat about having a why. Um, Respectfully, I believe it was either John A or someone else was sitting with them, but they were the only two really talking. Um, so respect to whoever else was a part of that conversation. Probably was actually a part of the conversation. Just they edited it, you know, down to the minute length or whatever we got. But 
really, really enjoyed the two of them talking, getting to see, you know, how Nia was dealing with, you know, I came to do this show, but I, I came because also I knew Jordan was coming and that was kind of the support system I need to re-enter this world. And then he leaves and now I'm here on my own and I'm struggling with it, but got to overcome it. Nehemiah, you know, talking about, we got to, you got to have your why. That was one of the biggest things that helped him in his life. This, that, and the other, the whole, the whole thing about it, it really struck home with me personally. I loved everything about it. I loved those real raw, vulnerable moments from the cast where we actually get to find out some real stuff about them as people. So that was fantastic. And then the final nominee for the best moment of the season is John A winning back to back her, except getting to that boat yacht, excuse me. It's not a boat. It's a yacht. It's always a yacht. If TJ's on it, um, this one actually was for real. Definitely qualifies as a yacht in every sense of the word, but just her, her entire performance in the final, her getting there, uh, her getting to that yacht, getting that money, making Wes say that she was smarter than him winning back to back, just solidifying, validating everything 10 times over about her status in this world, not just all stars, but the challenge in general. So that was a kick-ass moment as much as, you know, you know, Wes winning maybe should be nominated as well for everything that meant for him. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about the fact that the two of them winning was so good for the show, but John A winning back to back uh, on its own gets its own nomination for the moment of the season. But if I've got to pick only one, and it's it's tough to only pick one, but the way the way I usually try to do it with the best moment is try to think, you know, what when I think of this season, what is the first thing I'm going to think of? And oftentimes. It might be just the people that won, or if there was one, some iconic elimination, or rarely, but maybe even iconic daily challenge is going to less happen, but iconic elimination or something, maybe that comes to mind first. And yes, maybe when I think of this season first, my first thought might be this is kind of the West season. It's all about West for the most part. It might be John A. winning for the second time in a row, or it might be that Jordan Durrell elimination, but if I'm being honest, if you take a while just kind of who won or who was the kind of face of the season, and I think of specific moments, I honestly, the first one that comes to mind is the entire Tina hanging from the swing, the commentary about it, and TJ roasting her afterwards. That just, it sticks with me so well. I can see her hanging upside down so clearly in my head. It was so funny and so fun, and she's so great about, such a great, you know, uh, uh, self-deprecating about it and all of that handles it all super duper well. So I'm going to go ahead and give the award to Tina and TJ and everyone that commented on it that entire moment. Loved, loved, loved that. So that is your moment of the season. Now, of course, we do have one big, 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 some would argue the biggest, I would say the biggest award left to give. That would be the season MVP. But before we do that, uh, to lead us up to talking about that season MVP, we're going to first give everyone from this season a grade. We're talking performance reviews, grade cards, however you want to say it. Every single cast member, we're going to do it in order of of them going home. So you can kind of assume probably the grades are going to go from bad to worse mostly, but it's not just about being there long. It's their actual performance. We're going to give them a letter grade for their performance. We're going to say whether we want them back or not. And then a couple quick thoughts, either highlights they had or just thoughts or uh, things to work on or could have been different, whatnot. Just a, a couple quick hitters. We're going to go 
super duper fast through all these people. So this doesn't take all day long. But again, we will go in order from first eliminated to last man and woman standing. Let's start. Cynthia Roberts, she was eliminated the first episode in the Crawl Brawl elimination, losing to Tina. It it pains me to say this about a former season MVP, season one challenge OG before, sometimes not even recognized as the first season of the challenge, World Rules All-Star. She was the season MVP of it. But here we give her a D plus. Um, just, you know, we only got one episode. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't great. She loses the elimination, the whole thing. Well, it wasn't great. We got to, we got to give her a pretty low grade. Do I want her back? No, I got, I got to go with no. Um, I wish we got more time with her this season because I do love her, but she feels like, and there, there's a large crop of these people that especially kind of from the first 10 seasons of the challenge that are definitely older in challenge years and probably older for the most part in real life years that I love the fact that we're, we got Cynthia at all, that they casted Cynthia. She deserved it. She is an all-star in this world. But a lot of some of those really, really, really early folks, I feel like we want, I want to see them once and you know that that's it because there's only so many spots to give. If I say I want, I mean, I would, there's no one in this cast that if they came back, I'd be like upset about, but can't say yes to everyone. We start with a no for Cynthia. Then second person, Tyler Duckworth, my guy, Tyler. Love Tyler so, so much. He was also eliminated episode one in Crawl Brawl. He loses to Cyrus. He gets a C minus. Do I want him back? Absolutely, please, and thank you. Now, highlights or thoughts on Tyler. The entertainment ability is still just so high with him. It's so good. Even in one episode, he made a mark. He made an impression. But he did lose the first elimination. We got so little of him. I feel like C- minus is truly the highest possible grade anyone that goes home episode one could possibly achieve. He did that. So Tyler gets a C-. minus. Melinda Collins, next. Episode two, disqualified for the, in- the ankle injury from the previous final. She gets a D plus as well. Uh, joins Cynthia's the lowest grades, uh, second lowest grades of anyone in the season. There's one lower coming up. But Melinda, D plus. Do I want her back? No, because some people have to get replaced. And there's going to be a common refrain of no, because some people have to get replaced. It does not mean I dislike the person at all, or I wouldn't be. Up, I would be upset if they did come back. But as we kind of said with Cynthia and kind of set the stage of, you know, the same 24 people can't come back every season. If they're going to keep the cast around 20 to 24, there's so many people I want to see in this world. There's got to be some uh, moving in and out. So there's going to be a lot of people I say no, because some other people, some people have to get replaced. There's going to be a few people that get an absolute no, because I don't want to see them back at all. So she falls in the former of those two categories. It was you know, fun to see the Austin trio together. It was a super big bummer that her ankle wasn't fully healed from the final before and that they did these seasons so close together that that didn't really have the time to fully heal it was very susceptible, excuse me, to re possible re-injury. And that's how she goes out. Bummer. But she ends up with a D plus just is what it is. Latarian Wallace next eliminated in episode two in the lights out elimination loss to Mark Long, the Godfather. Latarian gets a C minus for this season. Do I want him back? Same thing as uh, last. No, because some people have to get replaced. I've really enjoyed getting the Latarian in these three seasons of all stars. I've loved that the, the people who hadn't seen him before, hadn't seen some of the early seasons of the show, get to learn about Latarian, the incredible legendary human being that he is, the unbelievably wonderful human being that he is. 
He's always a great guy. He's clearly beloved by the rest of the cast members, and thankfully it seems by fans as well at this point to love that. But I think he's one that is going to have to bow out at least for a couple seasons um, from coming back. Moving on to Tina. Tina, an A- minus from Tina. Yes, she goes out in episode three with the broken hand uh, that she suffered during the daily challenge, but man, did she give us a lot in those three episodes, and man, did it suck that she got injured and went home because of that. Do I want her back? Yes, please, and thank you. Uh, her and Tyler might be the two two of the three biggest yes. Please, please, please bring them back of anyone on this list. Highlights, uh, you know, or thoughts for on Tina. Quick, you know, she did. She got the elimination win. That was awesome to see. The hanging from the swing moment, obviously, you know, moment of the year, basically won the daily challenge of the year. So lots of award trophies for Tina in a three-episode run. All the commentary she gave, she was well on her way to a confessional queen award as well if she would have been around longer. The entrance with Veronica, the moment they had in the bunk beds, who thought we'd be in the bunk beds, you know, however many years after the fact. Everything for Tina was great. A minus sucks that she wasn't there longer. Jemmy is next. An incomplete grade for Jemmy because she does go home in episode three. That's very early and she leaves because of a serious health situation with her father. You know, all the well wishes to him and to her and to the entire family. I can't get I can't give a, a grade for three episodes and then having to leave because of a family emergency. Do I want her back though? I'm going to go with no. She was one of the ones I was kind of the least excited to see in this pretty stacked cast. And so she's going to fit in the no because some people have to get replaced to, you know, two seasons of All-Stars is great. Jemmy deserved it. She is an All-Star. Um, but I'm going to go with no because some people have to get replaced for wanting back. Um, and then from a highlights or just commentary standpoint, I think she would, the, the biggest reason why it was such a bummer for her to have to bow out so early is I feel like she was the perfect kind of glue person or bridge between some of the different groups in the house and between that kind of younger and older crews in the house. And she was going to be able to play a very pivotal role that I thought could have done a lot of good for the show on the show side of things. And it's just a bummer she had to leave. And again, hope her dad is doing well, the whole family, her, herself, everyone doing well. Moving on to Cyrus. Good old Cyrus here. He gets a B. Do I want Cyrus back? Yes, mostly because we know from following Cyrus that the Cyrus we saw in this season, yes, he was shredded up. He was looking great. He was transformed from the last time we saw him to this time. But we know that outside of the show, that has only continued and then some. My man is unbelievably looking great these days. Absolutely shredded up putting in an incredible amount of work day after day to be the best possible version of himself at uh, at this day and age. So I want to see Tyler. Ty, sorry, he had the elimination win versus Tyler. I want to see Cyrus back on the show to continue showing off that work he's putting in. And he always improves the vibe, the party, the everything. He just, he just brings good things to the show. That's why he's an OG legend. He gets a B for this season. One elimination win, one elimination loss. It rounds out to a nice B. Then we got Kendall, another B. She was out in episode four, steamroller lost to Beth. Do I want Kendall back? Yes. Is that somewhat biased because I just like Kendall as a human being too much to not see her get another shot at making the final? Yes, uh, for sure. Um, you know, she's been on all three. You could say that maybe some other people should get that spot, but I just adore Kendall. So I want to see her back. And because uh, for the, you know, really the third season in a row, 
I don't feel like she has gotten the fairest shake of things, be it an injury on previous seasons and whatnot, or this season. You know, the biggest thing about it, she just got a horrible draw of the elimination game versus Beth. I don't, nine out of 10 eliminations they could put in front of them. She's going to beat Beth. They give her the one that simply the biggest factor at all is just size and strength. And, you know, she's way, she's just just a lot smaller than Beth is and lost that because of that single thing, not for any lack of athletic ability or heart or strategy or anything else. Just that one came down to one specific thing and it was a huge, huge mismatch for her. And that sucks so much, but I loved her and Kellyanne together. That was fantastic to see their friendship on screen. She was doing great in the daily challenges. Um, and just overall, she needs to find, I don't know if it's in her. We said it before. She's just one of those people that's kind of too nice for the challenge. But if she can find that mean cutthroat bone moving forward, if she can get past doing things like, I don't know who to put the sabotage on. So MJ, I guess, but that was a bad idea, but I don't know what to do. I don't like being mean. If she could get past that, you know, you don't, you still get to be the wonderful human being that she is, but you just gotta be a little more cutthroat here or there. But yes, I want her back a B for Kendall. Darrell next up C plus for Darrell. Do I want him back? Yes, but I would prefer to have one season off. I think you should take one season off and then come back in slight variation, kind of in between of a no and yes, but yes, season off first. Highlights from Darrell, you know, not not a lot of them, which is why it's a C plus. He never made the authority. He got last place. Uh, he gassed out an elimination, but to say he gassed out an elimination is super unfair. He went forever in the brutal, humid heat of Panama versus Jordan in the elimination and eventually cramped up. That's pretty fair. That's going to happen to almost anyone. If anyone else probably just gives up versus actually goes until body failure. So it's actually kind of a compliment in the end of how incredible it was that he was like, I'll go until literally my body seizes up on me and did still fun to have him around as always again, one and back, maybe one season off though. First, then we've got Beth. She went out in episode five in the knockoff elimination loss to John a slash kind of quit, but she was going to lose anyways. Probably she gets a D. Do I want her back? No, I am still upset at the rumor spreading and the quitting, uh, the quitting in the daily, the kind of quitting in the elimination and that being Beth's MO rumors and quitting, you know, long history of her on the show doing both of those things. I'm just kind of over Beth on the challenge. I don't think this is the right show for her to showcase the entertainment values that she has. Some other types of shows, absolutely, maybe, possibly, but I don't need her on the challenge anymore. Yes is next. Uh, yeah, it's a C plus for yes. Also, elimination knockoff loss to Wes, episode five. Do I want him best back? I think so. I think it's a yes. This was one of the ones I was the torn the most on. I've enjoyed him being back on the show and obviously winning the first season, you know. I think anytime someone wins a title, uh, I think they should be, you know, being invited to pretty much every season for the next three or four just because they're you know a recent champion um so i think yes i think yes is the answer to do i want yes back yes uh the middle rival mini rivalry with west was obviously super duper fun tj called him the greatest human in challenge history so that's a feather in a cap if i've ever seen one he made the authority twice so he's competing super duper well and you know he just lost an elimination to to a really awesome player in a game that, you know, was very evenly matched between them. So he gets a C plus in a lot of that might be just because the last time we saw him, he was winning. So, you know, we're grading all these people on their own individual curves as much as anything. He gets a C plus. Then we've got Sylvia eliminated in episode six by that one shot pool shot from Naya in Starstruck. 
B minus for Sylvia. Do I want her back? Yes, but on the flagship show. Either one would be fine, but she's one I would love to see go back even to the flagship. Uh, I kind of wanted more from Sylvia. I got to be honest, uh, this, that grade could have been a lot higher. She gave us some really, really good stuff. I just wanted her to ramp it all the way up. I feel like we were starting to get there, and then she left uh, or elim- got eliminated. Um, I, I think she is a star in some combination of she needs to let herself be the star slash she needs to be given the chance to shine um, a little bit of her, a little bit of production, editing, whatnot, both sides of that. But I think she is a legitimate star. We got some good stuff. I just wanted a little more, wanted her to ramp it up. That's why she ends up at a B minus. Then we've got MJ. I give MJ a B. He also went home episode six, the elimination starstruck a loss to Derek. Do I want him back? Yes, but one season off. Same thing I said for Darrell. I want him to be back in the All-Stars world, take one season off first. He did great for this season with the target squarely on his back. He handled the Beth bullshit very, very well. He got an elimination win, made an authority, so competed super well. And for the fact that he kind of early on became just this huge target because Brad decided, I threw it on you once, I'm going to do it over and over. Didn't, wasn't really in any of the alliances, had a huge target, handled all that well, got pretty far considering the odds stacked against him, give him a B overall. Then there's Ronnie, another B, episode seven, lost the pull your weight elimination to John A. Do I want her back? No, because some people have to get replaced and because she fits a little bit of what I was saying about Cynthia of those super early players who I want them to get the opportunity to come in once. I don't know if I need to see multi-season runs from them at this point in their life and challenge career. But, uh, you know, we didn't get to fully see the athletic abilities of Ronnie, but we saw enough of it that I, I hope that a lot of fans who maybe hadn't seen those early seasons know and understand now that Ronnie was one of the original, like real badass athletes of the show at a time when it didn't matter as much if you were a badass athlete. Um, she got in a, the major alliance of the season, even though she was the the one, quote unquote, the like no one knows who I am person of this season. Uh, so that's very, very impressive. And then that alliance just kind of dissolved um, and ended up with her in elimination going home. But a B from Ronnie, very good season from her. Then we move on to Jordan. Eliminated episode seven, pull your weight, loss to Mark. He gets an A minus from me. Do I want him back? Yes, but the flagship. I'll take him on either, but this guy needs to be on the flagship. And I want Jordan to do three, four more seasons in a row. The flagship and really, really make a run at building one of the best resumes and careers of all time. Uh, you know, the the thing that says everything you need to know about this season from Jordan comes from a quote from Wes. You know, all season he Jordan was regarded by a, a, pretty much everyone in this very stacked male cast of, you know, Jordan's the guy we got to get out of here. Jordan's the threat. Wes summed it up perfectly with his quote about Jordan actually being a wolf. What in the fuck did we see last night? Because oh. that was unreal. Jordan wins. To anybody who's been around him, we're not surprised. We haven't been crying wolf. It's a wolf. When the eventual winner of the season and the guy who probably has, you know, the biggest reputation, the biggest name in the challenge world outside of maybe Jordan, uh, is in the house saying, like, no, 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 like, we don't, this isn't just talk. Like, we got to get that guy out. He's going to beat us. That, that 
says everything you need to know about him. He had a great arc this whole season, him individually, him and Nia together. The cowboy hat looked great. He was in two authorities. He had that amazing elimination win, so he's competing super duper well. Was the loss a little disappointing? Yeah, um, it was. It's a bit of a bummer. I did definitely, you know, it, it's to the Godfather, and it's you know, Godfather beats him at a tangram is a little quicker at you know lifting some weight into the sky. So be it. Uh, it was a little disappointing. Knox is from being you know an A or an A plus even down to an A minus, but still a fantastic season for Jordan. Then another fantastic season, Veronica. Another A minus. She leaves with the injury in episode eight. Do I want Veronica back? Hell yes. She is the third of that trio of people I said are kind of the top top contenders for who I want to see back again, along with Tina and Tyler. She was in the authority three times. She won trivia. Uh, you know, so obviously competing super duper well. The entrance uh, and the moments with Tina, seeing her and Yes together was amazing. Her commentary all season long was on point, confessionals on point. Super duper bummer. I mean, the biggest bummer of the season. If if we remove, you know, obviously uh, a broken toe is nothing compared to like some really heavy medical situation that Jemmy's father was going through. So if we we take that to the side, the biggest bummer of the season is, you know, Veronica breaks a toe after she's won and is in power in the game late in the season where she's pretty much a shoe in to get to the final at that point. Such a such a bummer cost the show so much, and it cost us and Veronica herself from you know seeing Veronica in the final. It, I really wanted to know what it what that would have been like. I'm sure she wants would love to know what that would be like. What exactly she is capable of at this day and age, and you know if I'm being super duper honest, even though Veronica the original star of the challenge, the first ever true challenge star, I love her to death, Queen Veronica for life. I don't know that the final would have went so great for her, but I would have, I would really wish we would have got to find out and she would have got to push herself and see what she's made of nowadays. Hopefully she will be back. Hopefully we will get to see that on a future season. Cause she was kicking ass. She was again, three authorities winning daily goes out while in power. Just an absolute bummer, but that's Veronica an a minus for her. Then we got Derek, a B plus for Derek. He loses pole wrestle in the last episode to Nehemiah second, to last episode, episode nine. Do I want him back? Yes. But one season off or on the flagship show, Derek is one of the older crew that I would love to see back on the flagship to mix it up with some young bucks. Uh, he won trivia. He beat MJ in a puzzle. Both of those were big moments for him personally. He made that known, and we all knew that for him. I loved him and Mark's alliance and bromance throughout the whole season. He was in the authority twice, so he was competing really well. Generally fun, as always. Could have been an A range. I honestly, if he would have called out Wes, I would have given him an A minus minimum, but we drop it to a B plus. Still a really great season from Derek. Next up, Kellyanne. A B for Kellyanne. She loses mid-final. We are into our finalists of the season. She loses in the mid-final elimination to Kayla. Do I want her back? I'm a little bit torn, but probably yes. I was just left with, I was rooting for her, as I said, going into the season. I thought she was going to win, and I was rooting for her on the female side to win. I would feel very similar if she comes back, but the final just left me a little a little uneven taste of, I, I thought it was going to go a, a little bit better once she got all the way there. She did make two authorities this season. I feel like she was the biggest target on the female side in the house all season long, getting that kind of respect of, you know, she might not be the former champion that a few of the others were, but I think everyone was looking at her as the stiffest competition come final time. 
She had a couple failed deal-making conversations and escapades that were super, you know, super funny and entertaining and interesting to watch. Her and Kendall together was great, as we said when we spoke about Kendall. And she just kind of didn't have it in the final, which was a little bit of a surprise. But uh, those puzzles, she overcame it at one point this season and backfired on her at other points this season. Um, so I'm pretty confident I want Kellyanne back. And uh, when she does, if she does come back, I will yet again be rooting for her heavily. Then we've got Mark. He was eliminated mid-final as well. Mark gets an A+. You know why? Because he's the goddamn godfather, and we still owe him every bit of praise and thank you every day of our lives, every episode of any All-Star season that this all exists, thanks in large part mostly to him himself, the godfather. He gets an A+. Because of because of that, more than anything, he could have gone out in episode one. He might get an A+, plus just for the fact All-Stars 3 exist in our world right now. But he makes to the final, you know, and let's be honest, I think even if you asked him in a moment of, of pure, you know, truth serum, whatever you want to do, I would even think that he might say, yeah, I'm probably never going to win an individual final anymore, but that's fine. So I, I feel like he reached his full potential. The best case he's going to do is make the final and compete really well in it as he did. I just don't know if it's always an individual thing that from the endurance standpoint, he's just such a big dude, especially in the hot locations they've been doing these in. It's just uh, it's just not necessarily in the cards. It would take a, a very specific final uh, contestants for that to happen. But it's his baby. I thank him every day for it. He was entertaining. He beat freaking Jordan in an elimination. That's a huge, huge deal. He won two eliminations. Letarian and Jordan in the same season. Are you kidding me? And, you know, the Mack truck confessional that could have easily been a quote of its season nominee a plus from mark long the godfather thank you as always mark then we got naya made the final got third place give her a full-blown a do i want her back yes but maybe on the flagship i would take her in either one i think i might want her even on the flagship though i think she could compete there very very well but i would love her on all stars again as well her entire arc how she talked about her growth from you know the last time we saw her to now um, that first shot win in elimination, her chat with Nehemiah, her vulnerability during the helicopter challenge. And, you know, she was right there until the eating portion of the final. So just there's just nothing, nothing bad at all to say about Nia's performance this season. It's a full-blown A. On to Nehemiah, another full-blown A. He made the final. He got third place. Do I want him back? Yes, I want Nehemiah or Brad to win. I want one of those two guys to to win. Let him come back every season. Um, you know, all stars stalwarts until one of them wins or both of them wins. Uh, you know, he ha- Nehemiah has the commentary in the first episode. I loved everything about his commentary. Episode one, um, handling having Wes in the house exactly right, not letting that be a deterrent on his game, only a value add. Um, seeing the Austin trio together, as we said before, beating Derek and pole wrestle, freaking Derek and pole wrestle. That's incredible. Solid run in the final. Nehemiah remains one of the faces of the challenge. All stars. He gets a full blown a on to Kayla, a minus for Kayla. She made the final. She got second place. Do I want her back? Yes, but on the flagship and casting spoiler alert incoming skip ahead 15 seconds, but you already probably figured it out. Yes. Kayla is on the newest season of the flagship being filmed right now thank the challenge gods for that thank you kayla for doing that our wish seems to have come true before the season we wished for kayla to have so much fun that she wouldn't be encouraged to go back on the flagship show and now she seems to have done just that 
she was probably the most dominant female player in the dailies for the season. Uh, it's a little closer on the female side than on the men's side of who is the most dominant during the dailies, but she probably takes that home on the female side. She absolutely came to play. She, you know, openly didn't get along with everyone, which is kind of new in the All-Stars house and nice to have a bit of that. So really enjoyed that, enjoyed her energy, her commentary the whole time. Uh, feel she was right there in the final as well. There's there's a version of that where you know she maybe takes home that win, but overall a very good season from Kayla. We give her an A minus. Then we've got Brad, second place on the male side. He gets a full blown A. And yes, as we said before with Nehemiah, I want Brad back because I want to see Brad win. I think he deserves. If if anyone can you know deserve to win a season of the challenge. He deserves to win All-Stars. I would love to see him back. I would love to see him win an All-Stars. I would love to see him back on the flagship as well. He's won with Derek as one. I would love to see you know a little older guy go in with the younger guys and wreak some havoc and I think could still not just compete but do incredibly well in that more slightly more physical game. He was the most dominant player in the dailies all season on the male side, and it wasn't close the way Kayla was maybe a little bit more of a close. He won three times. You know, He's in the authority a bunch uh, outside of that even. And he played the middle of two alliances really, really well and never got put in a position where he had to pick between them. The, you know, Wes and Nehemiah on one side, Mark and Derek on the other. It got right down there at the end where it felt like it might have to come down to a choice between him. Never did. Good. (laughs) Thankfully for him, for that, he kept his composure at all times. His beard's on point. Brad had a killer season, an absolute A. Then we've got our two winners, and wouldn't you know it, they're both an A+. John A makes the final and wins. Do I want her back? Yes, she literally has to be back. Unless, you know, if she doesn't want to, she's earned that right as well. She's earned anything she wants in the world of the challenge. Back-to-back champion, absolute badass, the GOAT of the challenge, all-stars world, three seasons in. She's got to be back. She's got to defend. See if she can go the three-peat? Are you kidding me? I feel like she could. She handled the Beth situation really, really well. That shitty, dumb situation that it was. She won two eliminations to round out that resume even more than it already was. You know, she played so the most impressive of all that she was playing solo the whole time. She never really was a part of any of the alliances. She had MJ, who they were each looking out for each other for, you know, the time he was there. But they never were able to wrangle an alliance together to kind of get a bunch of the other kind of stray cast members aligned against the big tree house or the kind of two different sections of the guys side of things that were going on. And yet with, you know, not having that, you know, that rock solid social bonds that would always, you know, that would got her to finals in the past. She has to go into a couple of eliminations. She kicks ass. She does so. She does well in some of the dailies. She gets to the final. She whoops ass. She takes home her second straight win. What more is there to say? It's an absolute full-blown A-plus for John A. And finally, Mr. Weston Bergman, an A-plus as well. He won the season And he didn't just win the money and the title on the men's side. He won the season. Let's be honest. This this was the Wes season. This season was about Wes more than anything else. We didn't talk about it in the good, the bad, the good, the great, the bad, the ugly segment, you know, the kind of pseudo storyline segment that we started this whole thing off with because we saved it for now. It's this season was about Wes. He immediately made it about Wes as only Wes can do and do in an endearing and enjoyable way. And he pulls it off and he goes all the way and he ends up winning the whole freaking thing and backs every single bit 
of it up. He made it all about him and then pulled it off and it worked. And that's incredible. I've said a couple times in the last few episodes of the recaps of the season, I said this was the most Wes season ever. This was just like the perfect encapsulation of who Wes has always been or all, you know, was always going to grow into and all of the best things about Wes were on display this season. And even some things that some people in the past, in the past may have been bad things about him, or maybe he had to, you know, workshop and figure out how to make the entertaining or the fun version of something that, you know, can be antagonistic. He even got all the way there. And that's the fully realized Wes on the challenge. The most West season ever. His confessionals on point His strategy on point talking shit throughout backing it up the as we talked about the what i believe to have been a true mastermind moment in this season of when he sacrificed himself to go into elimination versus yes thinking that he was going to have to probably or my thinking that my thinking of what i think his thinking was in that moment that did not say out loud was hey I'm probably going to end up in elimination one way or the other. I feel like if I go in one, I can keep myself out of others. Why don't I go in against Yes, who I view as the easiest of uh, no easy choices of people to go against? I got this little rivalry. It'd be great for the show. I think I'll be able to win, and then I'll be able to ride that and use that as justification for why I can maybe wiggle my way out of ever going in an elimination again, and if I get to the final, I'm going to win. I think that was all very masterminded. That may be giving him too much credit, but he's earned me giving him too much credit at this point for masterminding. It is Wes we're talking about. So just flawless from start to finish, all about him, and it worked. It worked. I'm, as I said before, obviously, you know, real world Austin is is right smack dab is my real world season of the kind of three to four seasons that are my real world seasons, my prime real world fandom ship. I've loved Wes from the beginning. Even when he was kind of a miserable asshole at times in some of his earliest seasons, I still loved him. I loved everything he was bringing to the show. I love actual real life Wes. Think he's just the best. And you know this this. Uh, so for me, for someone who thinks that of him and is that kind of fan of his, it, the most West season ever. Of course, I'm gonna love it. And he gave it to us. He gets an A plus. He gets the win. It's incredible. Which leads us to then. Everyone's been reviewed. Everyone's got their grade. We go to our season MVP, which we don't really, you know, it's probably going to be no surprise what this ends up being. I don't know if it goes exactly off of who got what letter grade, but uh, it's not necessarily, it's, it's slightly different than, you know, everyone's grade itself, but it still somewhat matches up. So before we say our top five ballot for the season MVP, special shout out one more final time to the Godfather, to Mark Long. Deserves to be on the MVP ballot again just because of the fact that this wouldn't exist without him and or yourself, you, the listener, the challenge fans that made the We Want OGs movement possible. We're repping the We Want OGs shirt today for the pod, for all the All-Stars pod. We got to rep the We Want OGs because that's what it's all about. So special shout out, Mark Long. But our top five ballot in reverse order, Kayla in fifth, Naya in fourth, Jordan in third. We'll pause there. Those three I just thought you know, competed super well, were a part of the best storylines, were bringing everything to the table that we'd want in a great challenge season. They were all deserving of getting some votes, making the top five ballot for MVP. We talked about them all before. We don't have to do it again. The final two, uh, I was a little torn, but obviously not that much by everything I just previously said. John A comes in second. It takes a pretty incredible performance to beat 
her performance and her going back to back and just seizing this game in this franchise of all stars, you know, by the throat and making it entirely her own and being the star, the goat of the challenge all stars. But we did get just that such performance from Wes. It, it is, it was the season of Wes. He, he was the most valuable player this season by far and even over someone who is as valuable to this season and to this franchise as John A has proven to be Wes is the season MVP. I didn't even look back. I don't need to. I think he won like five of the 10 episode MVPs. It's just an incredible virtuoso performance from Wes, the most West season there will ever be. I don't think he could ever top this season as a more Wes season. So hats off to you, Mr. Bergman, another trophy, another title to add to your illustrious career. With that, we've come to the time of the podcast where there's only one thing left to do. We talked about a bunch of high-level stuff we liked and didn't like about the season. We handed out some awards for the best of the best of the season. We gave every single cast member a performance review in a grade, and we named Wes the MVP. Now we've got to give the season its overall grade and place it in the pantheon of challenge history for all time, which you know, is, is is slightly, eventually as we do the rewatch series in full and every season of the flagship gets graded out, we will at some point integrate the all-stars world, the flagship world, all of the history becomes one challenge history together. Um, so we're going to grade this the same way we would do a regular season on during the rewatch series, which means we got a female cast grade, a male cast grade, a sport grade, and a show grade. We split the cast up into the two sides. We split the whole thing up between the show and the sport, the two pillars uh, that make up the show, and then that leads us to our overall letter grade. We are difficult graders here. C range is still a solid season. B range is really good. You, it takes a hell of a great season to get into the A range. I'm not going to go over the grading scale. If you've been listening for any episodes at all, you probably know by now. I am a bit of a stickler of a grader. Honestly, I kind of feel like I went easy on my performance reviews just a moment ago. But I digress. The season grade, the full season grade. Let's start off with the female cast grade. Start off with all the subgrades first leading up to the big overall grade. Female cast we're giving it a B. Um, now, how we've always done the kind of cast grades, we, we look at how many heavy hitters were there, how many solid contributors were there, how many duds were there. And on the female side this season, you know, part of it is that you, you, whether you want to or not, you, the brain's always going to kind of compare, you know, the female cast versus the male cast, and did, which kind of split the casting in two, as I've literally done here for grade purposes. And, you know, there's going to end up being some care, comparison in there, and the male cast is... Whew, Male cast is the male cast this season is incredible. Talk about it in a moment. So that may color this a little, but if we run through our normal listing on the heavy hitter side, we got John A, Veronica, and Tina. John A is fully in the heavy hitter category at this point. She has earned that and then some. Veronica and Tina have been in that category for a hell of a long time. That's the category they are in forever. They are all three there. So, you know, of 12 in what ended up being 13. Cast members on the female side, only three in the heavy hitters category. That's a little light, especially for an all-star season. On the solid front, Kayla, Naya, Kellyanne, Ronnie, Jemmy, Sylvia, Cynthia, Kendall. All of them really, really great, solid contributors to this franchise their entire careers. I don't know if, you know, some of them maybe have arguments to maybe be considered in the heavy hitter category, but uh, they all fall on the solid. And then on the duds front, 
you know, uh, Beth is a huge name in the challenge world, but I feel like this season in particular for her, she gets demoted all the way to the duds category. And then I also have Melinda there. I love Melinda to death. She's amazing. And I've multiple times over talked about my real world Austin love on this podcast. But, uh, you know, as far as her actual challenge career goes, it, it left a little bit wanting back in the flagship days. She had an incredible all-stars two season, but overall, you know, not, not a huge name in the, in the world of the challenge and, you know, bows out early with an injury this season. So she falls to that bottom category. So overall the female cast, we're giving it a B still solid, still a lot, lot to love. Um, but overall we got to give it a B that puts it kind of in for, you know, comparing this to the 11 first 11 seasons of the challenge that we've graded out so far. Uh, it puts it squarely kind of in the middle. It's nowhere near as bad as a couple seasons got there, but it's nowhere near the highs of, you know, an Inferno uh, 2 or uh, an Inferno 1 uh, as the two best, you know, female casts we've ever gotten. So it's a B. It's still it's still really, really solid. Really, really enjoyed this collection of women. Then on the male cast grade, that's a full-blown A because our heavy hitters category, we got Wes, Brad, Mark, Derek, Jordan, Darrell, Cyrus, Tyler, that's a lot. That is eight of 12 fall in the heavy hitters category. That's insanity. And the other four are all in the solid contributor category. Nehemiah, MJ, yes, Letarian. That's, this is about as good as it gets. You know, it, it would be an incredible world if we got an all-star season where it was like, Hey, 24 people, 24 heavy hitters. That would be, that's the dream. That's the ideal scenario. It's doubtful to happen. The fact that on the male side of this cast, we got eight out of 12 in the heavy hitter category and the other four all in solid, no duds to speak of. That gets you a full-blown A. That puts you right up there with the best male casts we've ever had right along with, you know, the other ones that have gotten for reference. An A before is season two, Real World Road Rose Challenge, season eight, The Inferno, and season 10, The Inferno 2. So, Again, Inferno, just if you haven't been listening to the rewatch uh, series at all, the Inferno seasons, really, really, really top notch. Now, back to this one, the sport grade. We give it a B. The B is really supported in a big way by the final being so great, so well run, so enjoyable, competitive, and all that, and that being somewhat of a rarity in the challenge world, that really boosts his grade and holds it up a lot. The Alim's. We're hit and miss. We had a, fu- a couple like awesome ones, but in, in general, they were a little bit average. And then as we talked about the dailies, had some really funny moments because the cast is so good, as we said before, but the dailies themselves, very, very average. So that sport grade, not going to be super high, really buoyed by this that incredible finals and the one or two really awesome eliminations. It gets a B. And then the show grade, a B plus. Now, the first two episodes were so, 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 so good. They were both A plus episodes. It was unbelievable the high that we started the season on. There were some things uh, that got derailed that were just totally not in the control. The injuries and the people having to leave, that's you know not in the show's control, but it does derail a lot of the drama or the storylines of the season. And then Wes's dominance and how much this was about Wes and that he made it about Wes and pulled that off. While that's incredible and great and a real, you know, uh, a, a plus, a value add to the season. It does suck a lot of the oxygen out of the room and uh, kind of stop some other stuff maybe from cropping up where the best case scenario, the seasons that would get in the A range on the show grade are going to have uh, you know three or four really awesome things going on and don't have one thing being so, so dominant. And so, you know, B plus, it was really, really good. Uh, the show aspect was better than the sport aspect for the season for sure, which, you know, reflected in the grade there. 
but uh, doesn't quite reach that A category, which means our overall grade then. We got a B for the female cast, an A for the male cast, B for the sport grade, B plus for the show grade, overall grade of a B plus, which again is an incredible grade. I'm a difficult grader. A B plus is fucking fantastic. Super strong start to the season and a really strong, some which is sometimes rare, finish to the season. The middle dipped for sure, um, you know, which keeping it from kind of all-time great status, which is AKA the A range is like all-time great status. So this was knocking on the door of all-time great status. It nearly got there. It fell just short, which means it's still a kick-ass season of the challenge that I look forward to rewatching multiple times over in the future. There was a version of this season. I could see a version of this season, same cast, same format, same thing. Just, uh, you know, if this season happened 10 times over, there's a couple of them that would have been a true A. If we had, you know, without the injuries and the DQs, that definitely would have changed some things. If Jordan would have got to the end, because I think his storyline and his placement within this stacked male cast was so compelling. Um, if he would have got to the end, that would have, you know, in, increased that a little bit more. And maybe if there's a little bit more drama, maybe if, if a Jemmy is able to stay around and maybe stirs the pot a little bit, or if Brad would have been forced to pick at some point, there would have been a big dramatic moment of like, you got to basically pick between Nehemiah and Wes and Mark and Derek. Something to add a little bit more drama to the proceedings. There's a version of the season that could have got to the A. Um, but between the strong start, the strong finish, all the great moments and quotes, everything we've talked about, the final thing that really helps it, it really helps it knock on that door of true, true, true greatness and fall just short into that great, but not all time, all time category is having good winners and having good winners matters a lot. And these two winners, John A and Wes, um, for different reasons, were the best case scenario for the show for who wins. And that matters a lot to the enjoyment of a season, to the overall arc and memories of the season. Having John A go back to back and having someone who all stars one season was one of the ones coming in is like, oh, John A's here. Okay. Yeah, I see, I see the all-star potential, but I don't know if you know the resume was fully there. And then boom, three seasons later, the GOAT of All Stars, three finals, two win. Tactically, you could almost say the three for three champion uh, was the tied for the highest points in the All-Stars 1 finale on the female side if they would have named a champion on both sides. But she won this season back-to-back, establishing herself as you know having a dominant player in the All-Stars world. That is super-duper helpful and great for the show. And then having Wes come in and being such a big deal that Wes was coming into All-Stars and having him solidify himself, you know, and back up the reputation he had and just, you know, live up to the, you know, he comes into the house, guns blazing, talking shit. If he would have went out in the middle of it, that, you know, it would have felt a certain way. But the fact that he went all the way and wins, I feel like that really was one of, if not the best case scenario for their male winner and their female winner. So overall, the season as a whole gets a B plus, which puts it puts it way up there. Again, we've only graded out eleven of the seasons of the flagship show thus far, as well as you know, uh, Spies, Lies, and Allies, and All Stars one and two graded a little differently though. We'll have to redo those in the future. But a B plus puts it you know way up there. The Inferno one and two are both. A minuses, they're the two best we've graded thus far. A B plus ties it with the gauntlet one that we gave a B plus and the challenge 2000 season three that we gave a B plus. So, you know, it's up there. It's it's upper echelon for sure. It's great stuff. It's a fantastic season. I love, love, love it to death. 
Before we get out of here now, we've we've covered it all. Final thing we got to do is just a quick look forward, a quick look at the future of this franchise and some hopes for All-Stars 4. The first hope for All-Stars 4 is just that we get an All-Stars 4, which I think we will, for sure. Um, I don't think there's there's any chance uh, that we don't get an All-Stars 4, 5, 6, a bunch, a bunch more of these. But let's talk... The main, the main thing when looking forward to an All-Stars 4, there's tons we could talk about, but really the only thing of interest to talk about is who I am desperate to see. The most fun thing about this world is seeing all these old OG faces coming back into our lives for another round, and we've gotten such a great cast all the way through this season, two prior seasons, the whole thing. It's all been so well done, so well executed, but who am I desperate to see? There's kind of three three lists here. The first one is the people I, I I'm desperate desperate to see, but I just I know it's not going to happen uh, for different reasons for each of them. But I, I it feels like uh, it's, it's just no chance of happening. And those four would be Landon, Coral, Evelyn, and the Miz. I I still I I hold out hope that there's a way in the Miz's incredibly busy schedule for how important he was to the early the beginnings of this show. If there's any way, uh, the perfect world would be Miz and Coral at the same time doing a cameo as like a one episode as mercenaries or just literally just showing up for anything for the stupidest reason ever just to have one confessional or say one thing to the guy. I don't care what it is. Mercenaries would be ideal. Uh, But find a way to bring them into the fold just to, to put the respect on their name that's it's there already but to acknowledge that you know Veronica is the first ever star of the challenge the first ever faces of the challenge after that a slightly different thing kind of the same thing but slightly different uh was Coral and the Miz and they're the five seasons they four of which they did together but they each did five out of like seven or eight seasons there they were such a big deal. They were so meaningful to the challenge um, that I, w- I want to see them in this world of all-stars somehow, some way. Doesn't feel like it's going to happen. The ones, though, that I'm desperate to see that I feel like there is hope. It's a big list here, but I'll just rattle them off. Abram, Timmy, Emily Schramm, Kina, Sarah Rice, Theo Vaughn, Dan Renzi, Laurel. A uh, bunch of different reasons for a lot of those people. Just you know, a couple of the quick shout-out. Kina. Maybe this is just because I'm coming off of the Gauntlet 2 where she just absolutely whoops ass, but uh, I feel like as another kind of under the radar, not for top of mind, but kicked ass back then and would probably still be great now. I don't know what the hell she's up to, but just going to say she'd probably still be great. Would love to see her. I don't know if Sarah Rice will ever do it. Obviously, you know, uh, I haven't been listening of late. I, I am still a fan of, though, the Brain Candy podcast, the wonderful podcast with Sarah and Susie, both of Challenge fame. You know, they've oh shed a light on some of the, the worst, the darker sides of the challenge and the things that the show didn't do so well at back in the day and could have been a lot better at or still could be a lot better at and kind of the mental health side of things, which is all fantastic. And I applaud them for doing so. And again, love the two of them together on a podcast. Uh, haven't been listening of late, but have before plan to more in the future. I feel like there's a world though, where Sarah could, uh, be kind of convinced of like, Hey, like let's, you know, let's bring some of that, the things you talked about that were issues back in previous eras of the show. And let's, have you talk about those in a new era of them and actually show that 
the show maybe has gotten better at some of those things or give a chance with you here to do better at those things. I feel like there's a world where she could, you know, that competitive itch could be scratched a little of hers and be talked into showing up and showing out because she was just, you know, she's such a big, big presence in the world of the challenge. It would love to see her again. Uh, Theo Vaughn, uh, you know, very big celebrity now in the com- comedy world, huge, successful stand-up comedian. I don't know if he would be willing to do it. It feels like something, though, maybe he would just do for the fun of it. Um, Dan Renzi, got to get Dan Renzi on this just for his commentary. And then, you know, the Abrams, Timmys, Emily Schramms, Laurels, just, you know, great, great competitors that I would love to see, uh, you know, what they're still capable of. Now, final category, though, of the desperate to see is the one that I would title, if they knew what was good for them. And that one is one person, and that is Cara Maria. They that the fact I've said it many times. I I, I I literally think about this every single day for the last I don't even know six months or more. Um, the last few seasons of the flagship show and all the All Stars seasons. The fact that it, it by all accounts appears that they don't even give a like courtesy casting call to Cara Maria anymore is just astounding and just such a huge, huge mistake from, from everyone involved at the challenge. I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I love Cara Maria to death. And I think she would absolutely kick everyone's ass on all stars. And if she's, she's on, you know, she's Mount Rushmore. If we, uh, she might be Mount Rushmore, all time challengers uh, across the board. And certainly if we split in male and female sides, she is right up there with the best that's ever done it. And is, you know, the big, the one, the, she was the face of the challenge. She was literally when they put the challenge on streaming services, she was the literal face of the show for a good reason. Her arc within the challenge world is one of the people we've saw the biggest, longest arc, the most like young to older growing up before our eyes, changing as a person before our eyes, learning before our eyes, kicking ass before our eyes. The fact that they're not not calling her for the flagship or for All-Stars or for anything is absurd. If they knew what was good for them, they would cast Cara Maria on All-Stars 4, and I'm desperate, desperate, desperate to see that happen. The other hopes for All-Stars 4, then, from a format perspective, just keep it simple and straightforward, and you're going to have a great season again. Just keep it simple and straightforward, just as you did for the most part this season, as we talked about. That was a great thing about this season. Otherwise, you know, are they going to do individual every single time? I don't know. Pairs would be kind of fun. Rival style or ride or die style, the new style they're doing for 38, you know, either, you know, but I just think pairs would be kind of fun. Male, female pairs would be really, really good. Uh, I don't know if there's enough X's in the world um, to do an uh, uh, all-stars X's version, but that could be interesting possibly if there was enough out there willing to do it. Um, but whatever way, pairs could be fun or just keep it individual. Regardless, simple, straightforward, that's all I care about. And then my final wish, the singular wish that I have is just what I started this segment out in general is just that they do it. Give me give me at least 10 full seasons of All-Stars. Please, 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 please. I think they will. I think they, they have a hit on their hands. I think, you know, this works as effectively as any of the three uh, branches of the franchise at this point. And I think there's no reason there's definitely the, you know, the cast enough cast members want to do it and are open to doing it repeatedly. I think the money is there. The production is there. You know, TJ loves doing it, everything about it. I feel like it's a big hit. I don't know what, you know, how much it is helping, uh, Paramount plus or not. Um, 
but it feels like it's helping it a lot. That's probably just because I love it. I'd freaking do a podcast about it. Of course I do. But give me 10 full seasons. Just just do All-Stars 4. Do it soon. You know, I'm lo- I'm liking one episode in Challenge USA. I'm glad season 38 of the flagship's coming. Let's just always have a challenge season on. You want to give me three franchises? That's fine. One after the other after the other. Roll them out there. I'll watch them. I'll recap them. I'll talk about them. I'll have the best time with them, as I know you listening will as well. So that's my wish. That's my hopes for All-Star 4 and beyond. And that's everything I've got to say for now about All-Stars 3. We've covered it all in mind-blowingly deep detail, as we always, always do. Uh, If I missed anything, if you think I was way too harsh or way too lenient on a grade, if you think I got the MVP wrong or an award winner wrong, anything at all, any commentary you got about All-Stars 3 or anything challenge-related, you hit me up, you let me know, at Challenge Historian on Instagram. It's been great to start interacting with a bunch of you out there listening. More the better. Hit me up, slide in the DMs. I respond to all of them. Uh, Let me know what you thought about this season. I will be posting some of these awards and things on that Instagram account as well, possibly let you all vote on it and kind of reshape the awards I've already handed out, but we can still have separate votes on it, all that kind of fun stuff. As always, hit that follow, subscribe button. As we said before, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here, not only today on this episode, but this entire All-Stars 3 season long. This has been the biggest and best season of recaps yet for the Challenge Historian podcast. It's only going to keep getting bigger and better from here. Then we're going to, you know, slowly, it's not just going to be me forever. I know I've said that before, but it's really slowly but surely starting to happen in the background. There's some big things coming. You know, I'm I'm thrilled that we're finishing our third season of All-Stars, recapping it, and the future is only bigger and brighter, I think, for the show and hopefully for this podcast as well. So thank you so much for being here. I hope you've enjoyed this entire season. Follow along with the Challenge USA. If you're not watching, if you're someone who's holding out because you're like, I don't know who those people are or anything like that, give it a chance. It's a really, really good one episode in. I think it's going to be a great season. It's a good time. We'll be recapping those Thursday mornings. The rewatch series continues, of course. Fresh meat. Get to binging. That'll be out on Friday. We will talk again very soon. Until then, love you. Peace.